Welcome back to the Section 121 Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Stanley Black, and today we're in Doctrine and Covenants, Section 121, verses 16 through 25. Cursed are all those who shall lift up the heel against mine anointed, saith the Lord, and cry that they have sinned, when they have not sinned before me, saith the Lord, but have done that which was meet in mine eyes, and which I commanded them. But those who cry transgression do it because they are the servants of sin, and are the children of disobedience themselves. And those who swear falsely against my servants, that they might bring them into bondage and death, woe unto them, because they have offended my little ones, they shall be severed from the ordinances of mine house. Their basket shall not be full, their houses and their barns shall perish, and they themselves shall be despised by those that flattered them. They shall not have right to the priesthood, nor their posterity after them from generation to generation. It had been better for them that a millstone had been hanged about their necks, and they drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe unto all those that discomfort my people, and drive and murder and testify against them, saith the Lord of hosts. A generation of vipers shall not escape the damnation of hell. Behold, mine eyes see and know all their works." And I have in reserve a swift judgment in the season thereof for them all. For there is a time appointed unto every man, according as his works shall be. All right, there are so many concepts in there, but they tied together, so I wanted to cover them in one episode. First off, looking at the reference to offending my little ones in verse 19 And then the validation of that concept, as has been seen elsewhere in Scripture in verse 22, saying it had been better for them that a millstone had been hanged about their necks. To me, that validates the principle that I shared in one of the earlier episodes about how we should consider ourselves more like little children in relationship to God, because that can help us overcome the natural man and remember the appropriate level of humility with which we should be seeking for guidance at his hand. So I thought that was interesting to kind of have that validation of that concept there, referring to those who are serving God as his little ones. And then jumping back up to verse 17, where it talks about those who cry transgression because they are the servants of sin and the children of disobedience themselves. In my journey of leadership, I have found an interesting pattern. And I had seen these verses before, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. The pattern of those who are calling others out for doing something wrong often end up being the ones doing the thing wrong themselves. Well, many years ago, my brother introduced me to a book called Leadership and Self-Deception. And I'll link to that book in the description of the podcast. That book was really a game changer for me in terms of moving from Section 121 leadership being a theoretical thing to moving towards being able to apply it more effectively. And one of the things that that book really helped me understand and began to see as a very consistent pattern in my own life and in my own leadership is that most often those things that the people I am leading do that bother me the most are almost always caused by me. I'm the common denominator. I'm the one who's doing something either by my example or by the expectations that I've set that is causing the behavior I don't want to see. Particularly if I'm seeing it from multiple people in multiple occasions, I need to remember that I'm the common denominator and look at my own actions and see what I'm doing 
that may be leading to the undesirable behavior. It takes humility and a good hard look at yourself to be willing to do it. But I've found that is a far more effective way of leading others through change is to understand how my behavior is leading to what I'm seeing rather than just berating them for the behavior that I don't like. And finally, on verse 25, about there being a time appointed for every man, the footnote there references to Doctrine and Covenants section 122, which was also received in Carthage Jail. The last verse, verse 9, says, Therefore hold on thy way, and the priesthood shall remain with thee, for their bounds are set, they cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore fear not what man can do, for God shall be with you forever and ever. This concept of fearing not what man can do as we try to lead in the Lord's way is critical to having the courage to lead in the Lord's way. Because the ways of the world, the ways of Babylon, are so short-term and so intense, it can be easy to fear that something will go badly for us if we don't lead in the world's way. But the Lord is inviting us here to trust him and seek his protection and his help, and that those who are fighting against his purposes will not prosper. This is also validated in Doctrine and Covenants section 3, where Joseph is chastised for having lost the 116 pages. In verses 7 and 8, it says, For behold, you should not have feared man more than God, although men set at not the counsels of God and despise his words. Yet you should have been faithful, and he would have extended his arm and supported you against all the fiery darts of the adversary, and he would have been with you in every time of trouble. With due consideration of the mocking nature of the great and spacious building, it's very easy to worry that we somehow won't be good enough, that things will fall apart, that we won't have what we need. But God is counseling us to pursue these principles of righteousness he's talked about in these chapters and to do it with confidence in him to go for the long game of influential leadership rather than the short-term game of stepping on people to get what we think we need. In my professional past, I was a problem manager. And in that role, it's your responsibility to seek out the root cause for why something occurred, and to attempt to set up systems or means to keep those things from happening again. That pattern of thought from my time in that role stuck with me a lot, and I have a tendency to do that in my life, particularly if I see something negative that occurred. After my layoff last year, even though I knew that the layoff was algorithmic, and so it had nothing to do with my performance as far as a reason for my layoff, my problem manager brain still searched and looked desperately to understand, was there anything else that I could have done to help the team do a better job, to help my department do a better job, so that we might have had more revenue or a savings of cost that would have made it so that a layoff was not necessary? The only thing I could think of that I could have influenced more would have been to say no to my boss more so that I could focus on delivering our primary product. 
Obviously, it's always hard to say no to your boss. But it was interesting to me to note that that's really the one thing I could have done better to avoid distraction and help my team deliver better. So surprisingly for me, one of the clearest lessons I've received from the layoff is the importance of thinking carefully, understanding what's going on, and when necessary, having the courage to kindly say no. This is hard when we're operating in the fear of man. But if we have counseled with God about that tough decision or challenge and are acting in humility and faith, we can trust in his support, even through those tough times where greater courage is needed and we need to say no. So how are you doing in your leadership roles now? Do you fear God more than men or the other way around? And if it's the other way around, what would you need to change and do differently in order to follow Section 121 principles with greater confidence?